For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have the man side, which is this side that I circled, and the God side, which is the second part here. And so there's three words that describe this side of the chasm, and then there's uh, the opposite corresponding three words that um, describe this side of the, the chasm. And so if just looking at this first part here, what are those three things that describe um, the nouns that describe the man side? You can just go ahead and chat them out. So wages, one. Sin is two. Death is third down. Perfect. So these go over here. Okay, it's awful. You should have to bear with me. And we'll, uh, we'll do a run through at the end. I'll have a nice volunteer come up here and pretend to do this. So we'll, we'll do a little live action role play. But just for the moment, we're just refreshing. So when we talk about, for the wages of death, when we talk about wage, what's a wage? What do you guys think of? What do you think of when a wage comes up? Definition of a wage. What you earn like from your job. Right. So if, you know, I'm sure all of you have worked a job at some point in your life. If you make $9.25 an hour, that's your wage. That's what you've earned. So this verse says to the wages um, of sin. It's okay, now we're going to get down to our next word. We're going to define our next word. How would you guys define sin in the context of this verse? Part of the wage, so it's something you deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Anything that's against God. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when you just think about sin, it's, sin is imperfection, right? It's, it's a falling out of God. That's why there's a pattern there. So the wages of sin, something separated us, that's what sin is. That's why we have two different sides. And so this is kind of like, I guess, imperfection for the lack of a better term. One is a pretty good term. So the wages of sin is death. How would you guys define death? Which is like... I said dead. Dead, yeah. It's part of So death, you're right. It's, it's not living. It's separation. That's what we've heard. So what this, what this first half of the verse is saying is, is, for the wages of sin is death. So what we've earned is death. Our imperfection, what we have, what we have earned from uh, God is separation from him forever. That's what the, the man's side is. This is what this... The first half verse of this sin. And if it ended there, well, that'd be a pretty crappy end of our day because that's what we've earned. That's what we've all, um, that, that's, that's the first half of the gospel that we deserve to be apart from God forever. But thankfully, there's a nice little but word here. Um, uh, so then we have three nouns in this section, or in the second uh, part, are on the God side. And they correspond to these three words. What would you guys say are the three uh, nouns here? Free gift. Free gift, that's one. Yep. Yes. Very nice. I'm going to write those over here. I'm really going to try to write it nicely. Makes it makes me feel it's worse. It does? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really trying up here. 
right or not? So at this point, we need to ask, what's a free gift? Anyone have a very concise definition for what a gift is? A free gift? Gift that's free. Let's try to use other words that grace. don't include. Grace would be a good definition, though. What do you mean by grace, though? Like free gift from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we don't deserve it. Yeah, right. So that's what it, that's what a gift is, those right? Over there, yeah. But so if I gave you this Bible, let's just say I wrap this up and gave it to you, did you earn this? Did you get? I mean, did you do anything for this? No, I freely gave it to you. So in corresponds to a wage. A wage is something we've earned. So a free gift is just something that you didn't do anything for, and that's just oh, thank you. So grace, yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is a little more harder, but in the context of this verse, again, it's a corresponding word to sin. How do you guys define God here? So if we said this was imperfection, something wrong, something tainted, what would you guys say for the definition of God is? Perfection. Right, perfect, without blemish, perfect, God is perfect, absolutely. How about in corresponds to death, eternal life? How do you define that? Living, living forever. Living forever. Very simple. Thank you, Jeff. Um, so yeah, these are our two sides here. But you know, here's the problem here is that this separates us because we have sin, because that's what we've earned. We've earned death. We've earned separation from God forever. And so that's a problem here. And so thankfully, something fixes this, right? And it's usually a thing. But uh, for the sake of this diagram, um, again, we're just doing a refresher here real quick. Like, how would you guys say, according to this verse, how we separate the gap here? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah, in Christ Jesus. So, what bridges this gap out of is the cross. So, this is basically the essence of the bridge diagram is you have the man's side, what we've earned is sin. Uh, or what we've earned is death for our sin, but God gives us a free gift of eternal life. And so how we get to the other side is only through Jesus Christ and only through that. So the verse doesn't say by good works plus in Jesus Christ. And so I just find this is like one of the best tools to share my faith with because a lot of the times, uh, one thing I really like to ask is, okay, well, what side are you on? Are you on the side where you've taken Jesus and you're on the side of the God side or the man side? And I remember answering this question, but the very first time it was ever presented to me, I think I was like a senior in high school, my brother was sharing it with me, and I said, well, you know, I think I'm like right here. And he said, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? Like, I think I'm like halfway there. He's like, you're either on the man's side or on the God's side. And uh, I didn't understand the concept of like, you're either with God, you're an enemy of God, or you're, or you're not. You're either with him or you're not. And so... It's just like, I thought that like, you could kind of do like halfway in with God or something like that. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever else has done that, but I usually like to ask the question, like, what, what side are you on to other persons I'm sharing my faith with? Um, but in essence, this is what it is. This is what it describes. It's just a visual aid of the gospel. Um, it's just something that's really, really going to help you guys this summer. So 
Uh, let's try to do a little live action role play. That'd be great. Um, if I could perhaps get a, maybe one of the staff or a team leader or someone like that that would love to come up here and I could share the bridge with you. Kevin, come on down! So let's say I'm out on the beach, I've met Kevin, maybe we small talk for like a minute or two. Um, at this point, I would say, hey, Kevin, can I show you um, something that we've been learning this summer down here while we've been on the summer training project? Sure. Okay, well what we've been learning is, um, we've been citing this verse called Romans 6.23, and it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And basically what this verse is saying is that there's um, a separation between man and God and that um, we have a man side and a God side and we're going to have like a little pause. We're going to have like a little flip book thing so you're going to be able to show them the diagram. Unpause. And so on this side, this verse says for the wages of sin is death and this would be the man side. As you can see here, um, for the uh, wages of sin is death, we would put that on this side. So um, Kevin, what do you think uh, a wage is? Um, I mean, something, it's like what I get for working. Yeah. From Walmart. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's like something that you've earned, right? So, um, exactly right. What do you think sin is, Kevin? Um, How do you define sin? Uh, anything that, I mean, anything bad I do, like, I don't know, stealing or, like, yep. murder or stuff like that. Certainly, yeah, it certainly can be. Um, I mean, not me specifically. Probably <laughs> That can certainly be a part of sin, um, but in this, in this verse, what sin means is that any imperfection, so our imperfection is something that we've earned, and that brings about death, and so I would define a little bit more broadly as just an imperfection, and so then we have to define our third term on this side, and um, what do you think death means, Kevin? What is death? I mean, it's when your heart stops beating you. Like you're gone from the earth. Yeah, right. You're you're dead. You're gone, right? Yeah. And that's so what this verse is saying is for the wages of sin is death. What we have earned as man is death, uh, separation from God forever. And so we can no longer have a relationship with God because that's what we've earned. So it kind of sounds like a crappy deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but luckily that's not where the gospel ends. Um, there's also a God side, um, and it says for the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, and. Uh, so God has a corresponding words to on the other side of, of this chasm here. And uh, what do you think a free gift is kept? Think of like birthdays, Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you're getting stuff for free. You didn't really do anything. It's maybe your birthday and you didn't earn those, but you just get, you get something. That's just people just give you something. You didn't do anything to earn it. So in opposite of sin, so if we define sin as an imperfection, how would you define God? I mean, he's the one who created the world. Yep. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, so he's perfect. He's, he has no sin in him. He's, he's absolutely perfect. Absolutely right. Um, and so what would you say eternal life is? It's very self-explanatory. It's like not, not dying. Yeah. You, can think of that as well. you get to live forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So these are the corresponding things. This is what we've been learning. And so the Bible says... Um, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, 
the thing that bridges us between our sinfulness as God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, Kevin, we would draw a cross down the middle of this chasm here. And what the, Christian, what the Bible says is that the only way to know God and to believe and trust in Him is to go through Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you today, is, is that something that you've had, have you accepted? Have you um, accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and only trusting in Him for uh, the free gift of eternal life? I mean, yeah, I grew up in the church here. I'd say I'm a pretty good person. Sure. Yeah, so you say you're a pretty good person. Um, do you think you're sinful and that you've earned death? Um, yeah, I'd say that. Sure. So you would agree with the Bible that that's what you've earned, mm-hmm. right? So, how, Kevin, how are, how are you going to get on this side? If, if you've earned death and if you have sin, what is it that... That's going to help you have eternal life with God. Well, according to the verse, it's got to be through Christ Jesus and like going to church and that kind of stuff. Yeah, where where do you see going to church up there? (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's not. Yeah, have you ever thought about that before? No, I haven't. Yeah, so I think the Bible's pretty clear about that the only way that we can attain salvation and eternal life is fully in Jesus. And that's the most freeing thing ever is that we don't have to we don't have to go to church, we don't have to read our Bible, but we get to because Jesus Christ is is our Savior and we don't have to rely on our good works. So that's what I want to share with you today. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Do you have any like questions or anything? It's a really nice hat. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nice hat. Thank you. Alright, yay, Kevin. So, I mean, in essence, like, it's not going to be textbook like that every time, obviously. <laughs> he gave me some nice definitions. He was nice to me, which I was thankful for. So, thank, thank you, Kevin. Um, but basically, like, again, the point of this time is to get you guys back and familiar with what the bridge diagram is and how we use it, how we go about talking about it. So, I mean, again, that's, that's not a perfect world. That's hopefully how it would go. But I want to give you guys some time to ask questions about, I don't know, what things mean up here, or questions that you have, or scenarios that you can think of, like, oh gosh, what do I do if this happens, or something like that. But I want to give you guys, I'm almost already over my time already, but um, a little bit of time to ask questions if you have any. Otherwise, I have some closing thoughts. How do you... Um Talk about sides. How do you respond when someone just says, no, I'm not like, on that, on that sure, side? Sure, when, when they say, I'm not on the God side? Yeah. Perfect. Then I would just go about saying, like, okay, so you think you're on the man side, which they would probably say yes. And I'd say, like, well, I would ask, do you want to be on the God side? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've ever met a person that's ever said, no, I don't want eternal life. Like, that doesn't sound good to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if that ever did happen... I was, I was, then I would get into more of like, well, why don't you want that? What doesn't sound good about that? Or if it's just a matter of not believing it, then I, that's what evangelism is, is hopefully the, the spirit would work and they wouldn't believe. But if they're not on the God side, which I would hope is, I think that'd actually be a plus if they said that. Because then you could start working towards like helping them see Jesus as the bridge of getting there. Does that make sense? Yep. Very good question. Toronto. What if they say they're on the God side, but based on the way that they're answering, clearly they're, they're uh, maybe it's just all the I go to church like, yeah, and you know, yeah, nothing about Jesus in there. Totally, that's a little bit tougher because 
In South Carolina, it is the Bible Belt, and I guarantee the vast majority of the time, they'll say they're on the God side, but their answer will be, well, yeah, I go to church, I lead a Bible study, yeah, I go to, I teach a Sunday school or something like that, and I've had so many times where, like, I just get done explaining that it's only by Jesus and Jesus alone, and even that little interaction that me and Kevin had, well, where do you see that? They're like, oh, yeah, I guess that doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh, yeah, so then how do you do it? And they'll still say the same thing, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, how can you not get it? Um, but I think, like, it, it's kind of just using discernment in the moment, I think, of, like, man, how much do I press here? And how much do I try to abolish the fact that that it, it, that it isn't? Because uh, you don't want to be like, hey, it's not about works. Like, just believe the gospel because that's what it is. Stop saying that you're a good person because you're not. But I think it is, like, presenting them. I think it is, like, even the question that I asked to Kevin, like, do you think you're sinful? Because that's going to help break down barriers that they're not a good person. If you just ask a simple question, do you think you've earned the wage of death? Do you think that because of what you've done and who you are, that you're separated from God? That's going to force them to ask the question, oh, wait, am I a good person? And that's where you want to help them get get to is you're going to run into that a lot. A lot of people are going to think that because they've grown up in church and because they've heard the gospel. I've talked to pastors that have said that before out on the on the beach. They think they're just a really good person because they're a pastor of a church, and that's that's a good thing. And so I think getting to this side is, do you believe this? Do you believe that you're a sinful person, that you need Jesus in order to have eternal life? And where it gets so dangerous is because people will kind of mix that up as, oh, it's Jesus plus uh, I'm, I'm a pastor. It's Jesus plus uh, my good works because I give to the church every Sunday or whatever it would be. And so Thankfully, it's not, it's not our job as evangelists to change people's hearts. So let the pressure just melt off right now. This summer, it's not your job to save anyone. Um, it's just to be faithful and present them with the gospel, and, and the Lord will, will do the rest. So um, that's a little bit more tricky of a question, but yeah, Matt. What happens if someone's, I think I've encountered kind of this a lot, but if you say, which side do you think you're on? And they say, well, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, so I'm on the right side. Mm-hmm. That's all they say. I encounter that a lot in the South because what you have is this whole non-only Christian culture that does the right yeah. answers. And then you're like, I mean, you go, okay, great. Right. Good to have your own theme. And yeah, even when you encounter there, I think like, and I have, I have encountered that a lot too, but I think like it's really helping them walk through the diagram with them. And again, like I think you need to start at a point of, and the, the, the case actually actually might be they are a Christian and they actually are on that side and they really do believe the gospel and that's a really sweet cool thing and that's awesome but it, it certainly could be the case of it's just kind of like oh okay like yeah I believe this like kind of like get away from me now so I think like the more time if they allow you to spend more time in explaining um, what sin is and if they are sinful I think you, you just need to start at, at with do you believe you are sinful do you believe you need saving do you believe that you can earn it by yourself um, that's a really good question, Matt. I'm not, I don't know if there's a, a better way other than to, to start at, um, like, is this part even true for you? Like, does this even make sense to you that, that what you've earned is sin and what you've earned is death and punishment forever from God? And that the only way we're allowed our relationship with Jesus is, is through Jesus Christ. And again, like, it, it might be the case that they truly do believe that and they really are Christians, but... I think for the most part, like, what's going to help flush it out the, out the most is the first half of that verse. And if someone doesn't say, I mean, no, I'm not sinful, then I think you have something to work with. It's like, well, hold on. Now, that's what the Bible says. Like, that's, I'm not saying that to you. That's just what the Bible says. And so 
you know, make, make the Bible the authoritative word of God that it is. And so, which I've had people tell me before, it's like, well, in that case, yeah, I guess I don't really think I'm, I'm that sinful. And then I feel like, okay, well, the Bible's calling you a liar right now. I would never say it like that, but, but at least you got something to work with here because this is just what the Bible says. So you're presenting with the truth. And so I've had people react all sorts of different ways, but I think for the most part, like, you just have to start at, are, do you believe you're sinful? Okay, you say you believe in Jesus, but do you even do you even have to see a need for him? So that's how I feel about that. Did I answer your question, Matt? Yeah, I might just add, maybe ask him, what does it look like? Like, what now? What does your life look like? Sure. Uh, I realize that's an intrusive question, and that's why it's hard. It's like you just need somebody. It's like, well, you're acting like a skeptic. You know? But that's another question I might ask. Is like, so how, how has that changed your life? That's a great question, actually. <laughs> Because if it hasn't, then I think that's a clear indicator that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Any other? Uh, these are great questions, guys. Seriously. Anything else you guys can think of? I have till nine forty, and Elisa's got to come up here too. So maybe I'll take five more. So I just have a couple thoughts as far as like. When doing the bridge diagram for the people that are going to summer training project, um, a couple like just helpful thoughts as far as like, man, how do I, like, okay, you guys are our leaders. You guys, I want you guys to be experts in this. You're taking out people that have never done this before, right? So most of them are scared. I still get nervous sometimes when I go out. Um, but I think like, how do we think for or help um, help move someone along in the process of sharing their faith. Because that's really what we want to be able to do. We want to help the people in our room or in our team or whatever it is. What are some ways uh, that we can think for? Like, let's say there's a guy or girl that's like, you know what, I've never done this before. I'm not saying a word. Like, I'm not, no, I'm not just, just not going to do it. What are ways that we can kind of get through that barrier and help them um, maybe take baby steps of sharing their faith? What would you do if you encounter someone saying, like, no, I'm not going to, just every week they're like, no, I'm not going to do it, I'm too scared. That was totally me, my freshman year, I didn't say a word for my first four weeks. <laughs> I went out with Eric once, and he found the two baddest guys on the beach. They didn't even have trunks on, they had like tattoos all over them. And I'm like, they started talking about like philosophy, you remember this, Eric? They started like talking about like philosophy and stuff, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> It's scary stuff. So, like, what do you, I mean. <laughs> I think, like, just walking, maybe, like, having a progression. So, the first yeah. week, it's fine for it to be modeling. And then maybe after that, you'd ask them to, hey, do you want to, like, share the verse with someone and start there? And then maybe you're doing the one doing the talking. And maybe if you encounter a believer, which happens often, or someone that says they're a believer. Um, um, I did this with Connor last year. I was like, oh, I'll share with this person. But the other person's like, yeah, like, it, it seemed like they were believing and stuff. I'm like, oh, well, we're just doing this for practice kind of too. So, Connor, why don't you take over? So, just completely threw him under the bus at that point. <laughs> and maybe do it at a moment. But um, maybe for some people, you could just, like, demo and get to practice. And some of that is more going to be supportive of these things. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea, Stan. I think, like, the goal is, like, to help them move a little bit more outside their comfort zone each time. So 
I mean, for example, with the, hey, do you want to, I, one thing I'll do with someone is I'll ask them, hey, do you just want to initiate? I'll do all the talking. I'll do all of the, the, the bridge sharing. But if they're just completely unwilling to, to say, hey, I'll say, will you just initiate? And then I'll, I'll take over. Or if it is, man, I just really am scared about sharing the bridge. Like, well, why don't you just do one? Why don't you just do one today? Um, and just really think for and take advantage of whoever you're going with, like helping them move along and stepping out in faith and, and doing those things because it's super uncomfortable and, and things like that. So last thought is, because uh, I'm over time already, is, you know, going on the beach with someone, that can, that can be a great opportunity to have a one-on-one, to, to really connect with someone and, and get in their lives in between the times that you're sharing your faith. I've really been able to, to really use that time as, as a way to... To really get to know someone or someone that I don't really know, I ask them to go on the beach because I can use that time as kind of like a two, kill two birds with one stone as I'm sharing my faith with them. And I get to spend time with them out on the beach for an hour. So that's my last thought. Elisa's going to come up here now because I went way over and I used her time. So welcome up, Elisa. Yeah. Probably isn't um, gonna 
going to be super impactful for the people in your room either. So I think one of the most helpful ways to prepare for um, leading your discussion um, is to just be spending time in the Word for yourself. Um, I think that this could feel really intimidating to spend time in the Word together um, because, I mean, either you could have people in your room who maybe seem to know a lot more than you do about the Bible, and maybe you are, you're asking questions and they seem to have all the answers and know more than you do, and that could feel intimidating. Um, or maybe you have a really quiet room that's never done this before, maybe they're new believers, they've never studied the Bible, or maybe they're not believers and they have a lot of questions, um, and, or pushback on the Bible. So either way, I think it could feel, um, intimidating, but I just think for you as the leader, it's less about teaching and more about sharing and facilitating discussion. So I just think when I was a room leader, I kind of felt like I needed to prepare and like have some great wisdom and have a bunch of answers to give them. And that's just not true. Um, you're going to have questions. Um, it's okay if you've missed a couple of days that week and you can use that time to be accountability for each other and study the verses together. It's okay if you don't have all the answers um, because you're learning um, just like they are. So I just want you to feel free that you don't have to feel like you're um, a teacher. <laughs> you're learning with them. Um, so that's word. Fight to spend the most time in the word. Um, second thing would be to spend time in prayer. That's pretty straightforward. Um, I think it's really easy to use this um, to just mix it up. You can pray for um, each other, pray for your families, pray for your campuses, pray for um, people you're meeting on the beach. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can be praying for, and I just think that's another really important thing um, to be spending time doing. Um, and that's pretty straightforward. Um, and then I would say the third thing, spending time sharing or connecting. Um, usually we've, we've called that updates. Um, I just think it seems like a lot of times updates kind of feel like a separate it's like update time and then Bible time. Um, and I don't think it should necessarily feel that separate. I think that our time um, connecting with each other should really be shaped by our time in the Word and our time in prayer. Um, and I also think that it's really easy. I don't know for guys' D groups. I know for girls' D groups, it can be really easy for update time to be like 75% of the time. If it's like, how's everyone doing this week? And you end up just talking for a long, long time about all the things you've been thinking and feeling. Um, and that can suck a lot of time from spending time in the Word and in prayer. Um, and, and part of that is just lack of planning sometimes. It's easier to just throw out a couple update questions and spend time in that than it is to spend time thinking and planning and preparing for spending time in the Word. Um, but I would say if you spend most of your time doing that, um, you're going to really miss out on um, what you could have had in spending time in the Word together. And I think, I mean, on Project, we're doing so much of life together that there's really a lot of time for updating outside of the group. That's not the priority um, in the groups. But it is important to be connecting with each other and sharing. Um, I think um, a cool thing for me has been to try to, like I said, to use update time as almost more of like application or discussion based off of what you're studying in the Word. Um, and so, I mean, even for example, um, I forget which verse it is, in the very beginning of Philippians, um, there's a verse that says, he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. So that would be within like the first chunk of verses that you'd be studying. And um, so I, I mean, if, if I was doing first week of D group, I think I would probably do something like study those verses together um, and see what, you know, what's the context, see what 
um, dug into what those things mean. Um, and then I think I would, as the update time, um, maybe use a verse like that as kind of a discussion starter. Like, okay, so it says that God is, is doing a work in us. Like, he starts a good work in us. What are some areas in your life where you want to see God work? Like, where are areas in your life where you, you feel like you're struggling or you feel like you have questions, where you feel weak, where you want to see God changing your heart and working in you this summer? And then talk about that and discuss that as a group. Um, and lead with vulnerability and um, fight for honesty and openness. Um, so talk about that, share, based off of what the Word is telling us. And then I would say, he says he's going to carry it to completion. He's the one changing our heart. So let's spend some time praying together that we would trust him to do that and that he would that he would change our hearts in these specific ways that we've shared. So you're doing updates, you're sharing with each other about how you're doing, what you're thinking about, what you're wanting for the summer. But it's shaped by what you've studied in the Bible and then you're bringing those things to the Lord and, and praying about them. I just think that's a cool way to, um, to let the word kind of shape um, what you're talking about um, so that... Updates don't just suck time from the word and prayer. Um, and then I'd say another big thing for connecting or sharing, a lot of people like to do testimonies, and I think that's a really cool thing. That can look different. Um, some people like to do testimonies like the very first week. I think that's a little intimidating. I remember being really intimidated to share my testimony. Like, you just met the people, and then they're asking for, like, your life story. Um, but it's also a really good way to get to know each other. So you could do it at the very beginning of the summer. You can do it throughout the summer. Um, you can do it in the middle, you can really do it however you want, but that's just another helpful thing to keep in mind to plan for sharing testimonies with each other at some point. Um, and then I would also say um, that I think it's good and helpful to connect with each other, um, to have some spontaneity. I mean, I think some of you are probably super structured, and so you're going to need to fight for a little bit of spontaneity in your group and being okay to go with the flow because you might have a plan. Um, and then there's something really heavy on someone's heart that they just need to talk about. Or people start crying and you need to stop and talk about what's going on. Um, or there's one question that ends up taking the whole time to discuss. And that's just okay. You don't need to follow the format. So if you're really structured, you might need to fight for some spontaneity. If you're a super spontaneous person, you probably need to fight for spending some time planning and having a structure and having some kind of format to follow. Um, but I think it's good to think for being spontaneous, even though I'm saying fight to be in Philippians every time and every time spend some time praying together. Um, I think it's good to, you can, you know, discuss talks from the week. Um, that could be helpful to pause and talk about that. Um, it's fun to have a snack or do a little activity, especially to kind of set the mood. Um, sometimes it's hard to come from, you know, a lot of times before you get like team time or, um, campus time and things like that so they've maybe been kind of hyped up and so it's good to think for having something to kind of like draw people in even if it's just like a quick question or a little game or something to draw people in to focus for the next couple of hours um you could listen to a sermon some people do that i think all those are um good and helpful things i would still think for wanting to spend the most time in philippines um but it's good to be spontaneous and have some some other things, and to just be aware of the need of the hour. Like, I, I feel like during relationships week, it's a busy week, there's more talks, there's probably some more emotionally heavy things um, going on, and so it's okay to feel the freedom to kind of pause there and maybe just discuss that for the week and see um, what's going on in, um, in people's hearts and how they're being affected by that. Um, 
And then just as far as planning for a D group, I would say, like I said, I think a lot of your best preparation is just going to be your daily walk with the Lord, spending time in the Word with people in your room, with your team leader, with um, staff, with other room leaders. Um, I would say use other room leaders, use your team leaders, discuss what you're thinking about, and and I think sometimes it feels like as a leader, I remember feeling as a leader, it's like, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, and so I like try to come up with a plan, and that's just not true, you're a leader because we want you to develop and learn how to do these things, and so ask for help, <laughs> that's okay, there's going to be other people, other room leaders that are really, really good at thinking of discussion questions for studying the Bible, and there's going to be other room leaders that are maybe better than you at thinking of really good heart-level questions, and use each other. Um, I remember having a lot of discussions with people in the break room um, at, at Walmart about um, D-group and helping each other out and planning for that, um, but I would definitely use some time plan time in your week um, to think for maybe a day or two before um, that time is just going to be helpful to kind of to have a plan to take a, a little time to look at the verses and think for some questions and those things um, to take some time for that but um, those are my main thoughts we've got some time for questions um, do you have them? have you got one person who's sucking all your time. Like, they're always, either always talking all the time, or they're, like, they're always wanting to talk about their life issues. Mm-hmm. 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 Or I think, disengaged, I guess that'd be the other. Or disengaged? Yeah. yeah. I think for the, group. <laughs> yeah, for the first one, well, I think with either of them, um, as soon as you start to pick up on that in group, I would definitely make a mental note and talk to them about it one-on-one. <laughs> like, next time you hang out with them, talk about, especially the disengaged, I would say, have a conversation about that. Because the expectation for D-group, um, and you could even set this expectation the beginning of the summer, our time here, when we spend time every week together, my goal for this time here is that we would spend time in the Word and in prayer together and in sharing and going deep over these discussion questions that I'm going to plan for so that they have that expectation um, set and then you have something to go off of and talking to them about, hey, I noticed that you were really disengaged um, during our time or you were looking at your phone or you seemed really sleepy. Um, are you okay? Like, I just wanted to check in with you. What was going on there? Um, do you feel like... You know, and, and not not assuming anything about um, where they're at coming with a humble <laughs> a humble spirit about it. I think if someone is sucking a lot of time, um, it could be <laughs> it could be hard in the moment to handle. So again, I would say have a conversation with them afterwards. But I think if it continues to happen, I think there's ways that you could um, you could tell them like I would love to talk more about that. Um, it seems like you have a lot of thoughts there, and I'd love to keep hearing that. I'd also love to give the other people a chance to, you know, to hear what they're thinking. Um, and if you have someone who loves to talk a lot and someone who's really disengaged, then you just need to be aware of that, and maybe you need to address them in saying that, like, those are really great thoughts. I'd love to keep hearing about that. You, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? You know, like, just being aware of what's going on. Most of you will probably have three people in your room, um, and so... As you get to know them, you'll kind of know um, what their needs are. And again, I think that's where it's helpful to both have a plan so that you're not so focused on, have spent some time looking at the verses so that you're not so focused on that that you're like totally unaware of what's going on around you. Um, But also to just be okay with being spontaneous that 
you know, there's different needs in the room and if you don't get through everything that you had planned um, because there's something really heavy or you're spending a lot of, try, a lot of time trying to engage somebody, um, that's okay. I think that's good. I just have a little comment on mm -hmm. that. Like, if you have someone who's really quiet, I think it's helpful to know that people process things different. And so if it's yeah. always like, a, hey, what do you think about this question? Yeah. It might be really quiet. I'm like, I don't know. I don't have instant thoughts. Yeah. So it's okay to throw out a question and be like, we're going to take 10 minutes to think about it. Yeah. And then we'll go that's around. Really and that might help yep. draw the person out. Yeah. Same with Bible study. I mean, I really like the Swedish method um, in groups, which that's just um, when you do kind of read a, a chunk of verses and then do um, light bulb, which is like things that stuck out to you, question mark, questions, and then arrow, which is applications. And that's a good one because a lot of times when you do that, it's like, hey, we're going to take 20 minutes and just do this on our, like read the verse to yourself, write down some questions, some things that stand out to you, and then we'll discuss them. Because that's a really good point, that people will process differently. Not everyone's going to be a verbal processor. You might not be a verbal processor. Um, and so it's good to, it's okay to spend some time silently or with some music playing um, in the group, thinking through those things and then discussing them. I think when you plan, it's good to lay, overlay your people with maybe even the scriptures that when you think about your, whatever plan you have for a group, just consider the individuals in your group and be thinking, praying for, thinking about what the, their specific need of the week or of the hour is so that those two things are conflated when you bring them together. And it's not just like, well, here's my plan for the week, whatever they're dealing with, but now it's no. It's, it's what you said really with making update time, application time, is, is how do those two, two things work together? Because that helps me. Sometimes I do it better than others, but whenever I think about the guys that are in my group, what do they need in their lives right now? Yeah. It helps me, especially a project because you just your fingers are on the pulse of the people that you need to be able to know. Yeah. To plan your group in light of the individuals, even with you know some of your <coughs> structures like we're going to be studying. Yeah. The one uh, before we talk, so the last thing I'll say is every summer for whatever reason, I'm just going to reiterate this. For whatever reason, we get the return training and say, hey, how's your D group? What did you learn in the Bible today? And students say, lots and lots of students say, we didn't really study the Bible in D group. And I'm just reiterating this because I would love to get to the end of the summer where nobody says that, but it happens every year. And it's like a large percentage of students that say it. I don't exactly understand how it happens. Maybe it's just a drift over time, but, you know, just write it on your forehead or on your walls. Like, we're going to study Philippians in our group, yeah. barring rare exceptions. I think that would be helpful. And I was just going to say, like, in light of planning, this is more of an announcement thing, as you guys are aware, but... How many of you guys, apart from even the staff, have led a D group? Okay, maybe the team leaders. But, so, with the room leaders in this room, none of you guys have led a D group. So, our expectation isn't necessarily that you know how to lead a D group. So, uh, during leaders' time, we're going to have you break up with your team. So, you're going to be in this group, guys with your guy team or girls, girls with your girl team leader. And you're going to just walk through, hey, what are you guys doing for a group? So, all I'm saying with that is, if you don't know what you're doing, that's okay. Yeah, you're not supposed to know what you're doing, so use the people around you. Use the other room leaders on your team. Use the team leaders, use the staff, because our expectation isn't that you know nine different ways to walk through the scripture for an hour in a group. You've never done this before, okay? So use the people around you to help you think for doing these things. Like. Everything Elisa said is great, like the Bible study, praying, connecting. And I would just say, use the people around you to help 
know what that looks like because we've done this now for years on staff and summers with, like you guys. So, so we've been in your shoes and want to help. So asking for help is a good thing is what I would say. So especially when it comes to knowing what you're doing or thinking for what you're doing. And you're going to get a slot for that. So take advantage of it. Any other questions? How are we doing on time? <laughs>